Well, this morning is uh, December 30th. It is uh, 2012 for one more day. Um, we'll call the message travel photo. How about that? A travel photo. I just came back from Mexico. And uh, one of the things that people do these days is they make postings on Facebook, right? So I wasn't sure that everybody had crossed the border. Uh, we had a train of six or seven cars. And uh, I was in front, so I got a Facebook notification. Facebook let me know faster than my rearview mirror let me know when the last car was through. And it's because it was a travel photo. What are we trying to do when we have a travel photo, right? Like, you guys just came back from where? Cosmero, Mexico. That's a whole different kind of Mexico trip. They just came back from Mexico. Don't hate them. It was their honeymoon. That's, praise God. And uh, did you take a picture while you were there? Why? Take a picture. You want to remember the event. You take a picture because it's special. You take it, a picture because you want to burn an image on something and show the world what you've experienced. Yes? Y'all in Genesis? Yes. Let's look at the 27th verse. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. To be created in the image of God is no small thing. Everybody in here a human being, yeah? Yeah. To be a human being is to be stamped with the very image of God. This is a touch of the divine. It means that the king of the universe wanted memorabilia. He wanted an image as a reminder of his creative work, of the goodness that he is. And he wanted it everywhere. Look at the 27th verse. Uh, next, yeah. Next verse, 28th verse. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. How many of you like a lot of photos? Yeah. You got more than one in your house? Yeah. Our God wanted to multiply his image. He wanted to put his goodness on the earth in the midst of darkness and then multiply it and it would bring light to the world, to every corner. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. That word fill is male. And it means so many things in Hebrew. It can mean to replenish. It can mean to complete. It can be to be made full. When God created the earth and he put a man on it, and after six days rested, he left something for them to do. He wanted his image, his glory, to cover the entire place. And he left that work for us to do. He put Alex and Haley on the earth in the image of God so that when they began to stretch out with their lives, their children, their lives, their influence in every direction, his image would be multiplied and the earth would be filled with his goodness. Amen. This was God's desire. You like to decorate your houses? I came home and my wife had moved every piece of furniture in our bedroom. <laughs> It was 2, 2.30 in the morning. I walk in and the bed's not on the same wall it used to be on. The dresser is not on the same wall it used to be on. There was literally nothing that was... My desk that I usually sit at and study was on a different wall. It's, it was like a sad game. Have you ever walked through a dark room that you've never been in? <laughs> and I don't know how yet. She and I haven't spoken, but there was a new painting at my house. It's beautiful. Why do we cover our walls with pretty things? Why do we put nice things around us? Our God decorated his creation with you. He made you in his image and he loves that image because it's altogether perfect. It's altogether righteous. If you want to know what health is, health is in the Lord. You want to know what rightness is, rightness is in the Lord. You want to know what normal is, normal is in the Lord. If you ever question that, all you have to do is look around and see what people call normal and how far it is from the Lord. See what we experience regularly and how far it is from the Lord. He wanted to multiply his goodness on the planet and he invited you into that, but he didn't leave you there. 
Look at the second chapter. Pick up in the fourth verse. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, and no shrub of the field had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprung up from the Lord God, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no man to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. That's a polite biblical way to say dirt. Huh? Anybody want to be dirty? You ever gone to eat something that you really love and looked at your hands and realized uh, you need to go wash first? We don't want to consume dirt. We don't want to be covered in dirt. Right? Dirt is dirty. That's a profound revelation. You can go home now. <laughs> the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and, praise God for this and, breathed. This is nashima in Hebrew. It means a violent rushing wind. Where else have you heard those words? A violent rushing wind entered into this dust. And the man became a living being. You are a divine union. You have been taken of the substance of the earth and breathed into from the heavens and you are the very image of God divinely created to bear God's image. You can relate to the earth that you walk on because you're made of the same elements that it is. You can relate to the heavenly realms because that is what gave you life and every time you breathe, you are testifying to it. Oh, come on, take a deep breath. What a gift from God this is. Breath is to remind us the substance of heaven is in us. The substance of heaven is in us. What a sweet, divine union, friends. People take wedding pictures to remember the day that they were first joined to the one they love. I'm creeping up on my 20th. Somebody else has got a 28th today. Oh, praise God. The Bartlett family is. Been married 28 years now. You got a wedding photo? I'm not with you, but do you have a wedding photo? You kept one? Why do you keep a picture 28 years? It was special. Why has God preserved your life this long? Why does he care about TJ sitting in the back of the room? Why has he preserved your life this long? Daniel, why has he looked over every hair on your head to this point? Because it represents a union of the earth and the heavens. You bear his image. And he gave us a task, friends. The most purposeless people in the world, the most despairing people in the world, are those that have denied themselves the privilege of walking in our divine purpose and calling. You can tell everywhere, because no matter how much money, no matter how many friends, no matter how much popularity, when the presence of God comes in a room, the face tilts down. Shame. Purposelessness. God did not make us to be purposeless. He did not make us to be covered in shame. He made us to fill the earth with his goodness. And he delights in you like I delight in a photograph of my bride. Turn me to Leviticus 26. Y'all are faster than me. I, wait, wait on me as I turn to Leviticus 26. In Leviticus 26, we've come to the heart of the issue. Man that was made in the very image of God. I want you to think about that. Now, I don't know. Rick's a very good-looking guy, isn't he, Susan? I'm a handsome man, right? Shockingly, stunningly handsome. But when you look at, say, Judah, Judah looks altogether <laughs> different than Rick, doesn't he? And yet equally stunning. <laughs> and then you glance over at JJ. Or maybe glance over at Mike. Or glance over at Evan. Or glance over at Devin. Or glance over at Gabe. Look at the diversity in the creation. And yet it all bears witness of God. How is that? How do we each have such differences among us? We have in here black skin. 
We have in here white skin. We have in here Asians. We have in here Hispanics. We have in here nations of the world. And we bear God's image. Apparently, there is something in all of us that is a stamp of the king. And when we unite, we're starting to complete that picture a little more and a little more. Maybe we're missing red hair. Maybe, maybe we're missing blue eyes. Maybe we're missing brown skin. And as we get it together, and the Spirit of the Lord is among what has become more than dust, the Lord smiles on this. Did you feel Him smile then, worship? Anybody in here got the sense that the Lord was pleased today? Oh, my goodness. The Lord is pleased today. Leviticus 26 gets us to the heart of the problem, though. We have not remained united. We have not... Remain united with Him and we've not remained united with each other. Among the things that man was free to do, he was free to eat from any tree that was in a garden. Any. Except the tree that's in the middle of the garden. We know how that went. I don't have to preach on it. You've been seeing the effects of it all of your life. The effects of sickness. The effects of death. The effects of sin. Everybody in the human race that was made in the image of God had that image tainted. We're all from the same disease stock. No matter how noble your family line, you may be able to trace it back four or 5,000 years. I can. I mean, I know who started it all. And you know what? You find monstrous sinners. Ridiculously rebellious, wicked people. And we don't say that. We say, no, they're all good people. Really? How do we have slavery? Oh, they were all good people? Oh, did you think I was talking about a black-white issue? Slavery all over the world. There's not one people that's not enslaved and other people anywhere in the world. There's nobody that's ever been slave-free. And if you find somebody who was, they were slave to sin. How do we have something like that if they were good people? How do we have wars if they're good people? How is it that we have men made in the image of God murdering each other and defiling the creation because the image got tainted? Man that was made to represent God began representing his own selfish interests. He began acting more like dirt than the heavens. Oh, it makes you feel dirty, doesn't it? Leviticus 26 was a plea to the people. It was a, it was a crying out. Look at the first verse. Do not make idols or set up an image or sacred stone for yourselves. And do not place a carved stone in your land to bow down before it. I am the Lord your God. So why is this prohibition against idolatry? The Lord wanted you to have one image to pattern your life after, just one. And it would be his character because he couldn't be seen. You were already made to look like him. You were already put together to be representative of him. And the only way to be the image of God was to get immersed in him. And something was standing in the way. We didn't give him our obedience. We were filled with rebellion. We had made the image dirty, like a nasty, dusty picture. Like somebody took your wedding photo and poured motor oil on it. Or dropped it in a latrine. The problem was never with the design. The problem was with what we did with it. So our God said very practical things like the second verse, observe my Sabbaths and have reverence for my sanctuary. I am the Lord. In other words, be cognizant of my presence among you. Spend time seeking my face. All oh, friends, in all of our busy lives, even those in the room that are unemployed, how much of the day do we spend seeking his face? Saying, Lord, you made me for something more. You made me to represent you. And instead I've debased myself. Instead, I have swum in the sewer. Instead, I have poured dirt and yuckiness on what was supposed to be the divine image. Oh man, that we could think on these things for a minute. Leviticus 26 is not about bringing a curse upon God's people. It's an invitation to follow Him. If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you rain. Rain washes. Rain is fruitful. Rain is symbolic of His Spirit. 
and the ground will yield its crops and the trees of the field their fruit. Your threshing will continue until grape harvest and your grape harvest will continue until planting and you will eat all the food you want and live in safety in your land. Our God wanted us to bear his image. He wanted us to be blessed in every direction. He wanted our lives to provide security to the world. Agriculture would work correctly. Man's relationship with God would work correctly. Man's relationship with man would work correctly. In short order, it would be like the Garden of Eden among those who lived like they lived before the fall. In Eden. How many of your lives look like Eden? Oh my, how do we get there? If you follow my decrees, if you're capable of following his decrees, I tried. I did. I did push-ups when I got them wrong. I punished myself in various ways when I got them wrong. Sometimes I looked for discipline from others and I intentionally shipwrecked things because I was guilty. Maybe some amount of punishment. Maybe some amount of self-loathing. Maybe some amount of debasing myself would fix it. But it didn't. Before we get to the solution, look at verse 9 with me. I will look on you with favor and will make you fruitful and increase your numbers. Why would God look upon a people that were and, and, and make them fruitful and increase their number? This was his call to all of mankind. He wanted you to bear his image. He wanted you to walk in obedience to him. And that is something that he can bless. A man that bears his image, bears his substance, walks around multiplying the presence of God. He can bless that. He can increase it in number. He can stretch it out over all of the, of the world because this was the plan from the beginning. You know, he cannot bless disobedience. He cannot multiply sin. He cannot allow flesh to glory over what is eternal. He will not multiply that and be glad that he won't. The world is already drowning in refuse. And we're called to so much more. You want a life that God can bless? You want a life that God can bless? We have to figure out how it is that we can be obedient to him. No amount of effort. Have you ever tried to kick an addiction? <laughs> oh man, my favorite people say, well, you need willpower. Yeah. <laughs> we just talked about uh, we just talked about a stomach virus. I'm gonna be real graphic with that, but you know good and well no amount of willpower in the world will keep you out of that bathroom, huh? <laughs> I mean, you stand there all day and say, No, in the name of uh, in the name of Eric, I'm not, I'm not doing it. You'll embarrass yourself. You'll get dirty. <laughs> if willpower were the solution, certainly somebody stronger, somebody smarter, somebody that had it more together, somebody with more resources, certainly they would have fixed it. But it hasn't happened, has it? I will look on you with favor, will make you fruitful and increase your numbers, and I will keep my covenant with you. You will still be eating last year's harvest when you have to move it out to make room for the new. I will put my dwelling place among you. And I will not abhor you. <laughs> That's good. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> that doesn't mean bored. It's abhor. <laughs> we don't use that word very much anymore. God's saying, if you'll be obedient, I'm going to bless you in every direction. Because I want to multiply my image around the earth. I'll rain on you. I, you have so much then you won't finish consuming it before I, I give you more. Sounds like a continual supply. But my favorite is, he says, I won't utterly detest, hate, and be at war with you anymore. <laughs> Thank you. Anybody want to pick a fight with God? Oh, people say such stupid things when they are uh, drunk with their own self-indulgence. You know, in our movies, we glorify a guy who climbs up a ship's mast and takes on God in the storm. Oh, how silly. My experience is everyone says that they're not scared of death, but every lost man spends his last dime, his last ounce of energy, gasping, fighting, trying to stay alive because they're scared to death to meet the 
the deity that they've challenged all of their lives. What a fearful thing it is to fall into the hands of a living God. He is altogether holy and He breathed Himself into you. He stamped you with His image and we will have to face Him and compare images. What did you do with what He gave you? He doesn't want to hurt us, friends. He's trying to tell us how to please Him. He says, I will walk among you in verse 12 and be your God and you will be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk with heads held high. We serve the God who will reach into your addiction, who will reach into your slavish devotion to sin. He said, I'll change your whole way of life. Amen. A yoke you put on an animal. And the yoke forced the animal to go where he did not want to go. And to labor at something that he would not profit from. It forced the animal to obey a master. The world has put its yoke upon people. It has forced them to go further than they wanted to. I'll just take a hit, you know, 20 years later. I'll just take a drink, you know. Seven years, two marriages, three children later. I'll just speak my mind, you know. 25 broken relationships later. is forced a yoke upon us so that when you tried to move to the left, tried to move to the right, tried to break free from it, it enslaved you. <clears throat> and the living God says, I break the yoke. Amen. I want to walk with you. I want to bless you. I want you to have so much that you could never use it all before I gave you more. Amen. Oh, man, man, man. If we understood this, we line up for free donuts. We'll spend our money at the hopes to win more. If we knew what to value. Did you hear that God wanted you to walk with your heads held high? You know why? You're made in His image and He does. Our God never has to slink around. He doesn't have to be subtle. He doesn't have to crawl on His belly in the dust. And He doesn't have to trick people. Because He's the ultimate. He is the ultimate. He is everything that is pure. Everything that is good. He is everything that is amazing. And He made you to be like Him. takes upon himself the right to choose the course of his life, to choose what is right and wrong, to choose what he's going to do. He always chooses wrong. Friends, I'm saying he has given us commands. Let us be led to follow those commands. Amen. Our God wanted you to be a divine union of the earth and the sky. Our God wanted you to walk with your heads held high. When you pray, He didn't want you to pray like this. He wanted you to be able to turn your face towards heaven and He would shine upon you. He delights in giving you the kingdom. I've quoted in every service for about 10 services. Luke 12, 32 says, Do not be afraid, little flock. My Father delights in giving you the kingdom. We act. Like He wants to oppress us when He came to liberate us. We act like He wants to punish us when He came to set us free. We act like the Christian life is lesser than when the reality is it is greater than. We act like it's not the abundant life that it is. Let me ask you, your friends that are going to party. Oh man, we got so... You just can't imagine. And they're describing... Tohu vavohu, man, wanton waste and chaos. Where's it getting them? That little half-naked girl that is out there pimping her body out to the world in some form or fashion. Maybe through pictures. Maybe through a street corner. Maybe through her social circle. 
just with status. Where does it get her when she's 50? How profitable is the life of sin, really? Then we must face it, friends. It ends in death. And it doesn't just end in death, it's killing us daily. Our God made us to be the princes of the universe. And instead, we act like common dumpster rats. Our God wants our heads held high. Turns me to Exodus 15. I know these are not normal scriptures. We could get together and just sing John 3.16, which I love. But do you really think anybody who's singing it has considered what it means for God to look at a polluted, distorted creation and plunge his perfect image back into it? To carve out of it those who would be conformed to the image and to throw away those who wouldn't into an eternal fire. Oh, nobody speaks of hell anymore. And we don't speak of it. Everything that you could learn about hell, oddly enough, you learned from Jesus. You examine the teachings of Jesus, and he spoke of hell often. People say, oh, Jesus, it was love. it's loving to warn someone there is a raging fire waiting for the disobedient. And I have to tell you, that is a scary thing to me. But that's not my immediate concern. I'm watching people live in hell on earth when the kingdom of God has come to the earth to teach people how to live a heavenly life while walking on the dirt that you're made of. Are you in Exodus 15? Yes. I'm not. I am now. Exodus 15, 22. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. Our Lord will allow you to be tested. He is not a God of immediate gratification. Your flesh wants to be gratified immediately. You want what you want when you want it. I want it all and I want it now, the song said in the 80s. I want it all and I want it right now. We want to order at this window and pick up at that. We have been slavish devotees to sin and we think that God is our genie. Lord, I'll serve you if. Lord, I want this. Give me, give me. My name is Jimmy. <laughs> Man, if you really want a life change, if you really want the empowerment from heaven, you would eat through concrete to get to it. Amen. You would wait all day in the rain. You'd do whatever it took. You wouldn't, you know, we'll line up for a concert ticket. We'll camp out for a Harry Potter movie. But for the presence of God, for the life-changing power of the Spirit. We need to get it in 59 minutes or we're not going to get it at all, right? Oh, Jesus, Jesus. His sacrifice is worthy of more than that. Amen. Amen. His blood buys more than that. Amen. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came tomorrow, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. Who made the water in your life bitter? What has given you the circumstances that you have? Why are things so difficult? We act as if we're innocent victims and we forget we were made to bear the image of God. We were made to change the world. Who made our lives bitter? So, oh, well, it's just the Lord testing me. If it's the Lord testing you, the Bible says rejoice in it. So, oh, well, it's, it's just the Lord rearranging it all. I, a righteous man delights in the footsteps the Lord has laid out for him. Psalm 37. Who made your life bitter? If your life's bitter, you made it that way. That's the God's honest truth. If your life is bitter, it is because you are destroying the gift of God with every breath that He's allowed you to have. You are spitting in His face. Choosing that which is debased over that which is divine. When we travel through Mexico, I need to see landmarks. I can't read the language. The only way that I know where I'm going is to see something that I recognize. Friends, I'm going to encourage you to look around the room. 
God put 120 people in here that are made in his image, that have the ability to act and walk like God acts and walks so that you might see something of his image that causes you to have a landmark and turn. We are supposed to be living, walking road signs. There's a water tower. In Matamoros, Mexico, I can't find anything if I can't find my proximity to that water tower. Jesus is my high ground, friends, and the only way I navigate this life is based on my distance to or from Him. Amen. How dare we let our lives be about the pursuit of food, about the pursuit of money, about the pursuit of popularity. The only way you can navigate through this diseased creation is in your proximity to Him. And so he puts his image in people. Or rather, they knock the dust off by the power of the Holy Ghost. And he says, this is what life's supposed to look like. And every once in a while, as you're wandering around, you bump into one and go, wow, that's different. Refreshing. He didn't try to take my wallet. He hugged me and didn't want anything from me. He gave me his last so that I would have more than he would have when he walked away. Something of God. This is what we're called to. Men with their heads held high. Who made these waters bitter? They did. Well, they were bitter when they got there. Then their ancestors made it bitter and they walked in the same bitterness. That is why the place is called Mara. So the people grumbled. What will grumbling in bitterness do besides multiply the bitterness? You're having a tough life. Whine about it. Get in there and learn a new language. Whinies. It'll get worse and worse and worse and worse. You ever had a difficult task to do and then you got angry while you were doing it? Anybody in here ever work on my trucker mats? <laughs> you only get stupider as it goes. The more angry you become, the more you have decreased your own capacity. So the Lord did something. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord. What do you do when you have a problem? You speak whinies, you call the ambulance. What do you do? I've learned to cry out to the Lord and the Lord showed him. This word in Hebrew means instructed, taught. It doesn't mean that you just saw a glance. Moses found a piece of wood that the Lord showed him and the Lord taught him about it. He showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water and the water became sweet. Friends, you need the wood that is the cross of Calvary in your life. Amen. You need to learn to crucify the sinful nature. You need to come face to face with the living God and go, I no longer bear your image because I've marred it. Yeah. And then we need to kill the flesh and the sin that marred the image of God. Amen. Then life becomes... Sweet. Come on, say it with me. Sweet. Come on, say it like you mean it. Sweet. Yeah, in my generation, at least as we got into our 20s, when something was really good, you'd go, sweet. I found the sweet life. For me, it was being in Sugar Land. Sweet life. Living off of sweet water. <laughs> Joined with my friends at Sweetwater Marine. It was being in the position God called me to be in, when he called me to be there, doing what he told me to do. It was a return to his leadership in my life. Instead of my own leadership in my life, I fired myself as the CEO. I went ahead and killed that guy. And said, Lord, I'm doing a disastrous job with these beautiful things you've given me. And so I repent. Today, we don't really repent. We say we need a life change, like you need a wardrobe change. You know what you need? You need to stop being an enemy of God that he hates. Yes. And beg for mercy because he loves you and desires to give you the kingdom. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water and the water became sweet. You need the cross of Calvary in your life. The Lord made a decree and a law for them. 
And there he tested them. He said, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals or restores you. Oh, the sovereignty of God that he would create a world, that he would make man his crowning jewel of creation, leave the filling of the earth to man, and then stand back and watch man fall away from him. Watch the beautiful painting get marred. Watch the travel photo no longer resemble the way you left it. So it provides a solution. Then they came to Elim, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. Our God starts with a small group of people. He does this. Our God will take a handful, maybe one from a family, maybe two from a family, maybe five from a family. Our God will start somewhere. He says, I will pour into you so much living water that you'll become a spring for all of the rest. He does this to remind us, to give us road signs, to bump into the divine so that we can remember what we're supposed to be. There were 12 tribes in Israel, yes? Yes. There were 12 sons of the man Jacob, yes? Yes. He took them and made them a spring for the 70 nations that comprised the world at the time. He wants to take you and multiply His image around the world. He wants you to represent Him. We believe this to the extent that this year, our ministry, just me in the ministry, not to mention everybody else, traveled more than 100,000 miles to multiply the image of God. Went into 23 international trips and spent almost $100,000. You know why? Because He's worth it. Because the picture is that beautiful. Because the presence of God is that needed. What are you doing with your life, friends? Turn with me to the book of John. What are you doing with your life? When you compare your image to His image, how are you stacking up? When you begin to dream of something more, is there a slavish devotion to sin that says you can't break free? You haven't before. You won't now. You never will. That's not the voice of the father. That's the voice of the thief. I used to listen to him. He tried to get me to kill myself. And when he wasn't trying to get me to kill myself, he simply allowed me to administer death doses in smaller amounts daily so that I didn't realize I was dying while I was supposed to be living. If when you're beginning to have hope rise in your heart, there's a competing voice. Recognize something. God made you to bear His image. He made you to hold your head high. He made you to have sweet water. He made you to have His presence in His image. He did not make you for something less. So let me ask you, what is that other voice then? I stole the quote from Michael, but it's okay because Michael Hutchinson stole it from Harriet Tubman. They said, Harriet, is it true that you freed hundreds of slaves? She said, yes. And I would have freed thousands if only they realized they were slaves. Take a moment and think about your real condition. Honesty gets everywhere with the Lord. In In the book of John, the first chapter... 43rd verse. The next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Did Philip go find Jesus? No. Why do we say, I found Jesus? Jesus wasn't lost. Jesus is the high ground in life. Jesus reached out and found Philip. I'm telling you, I am God's ambassador. More than Susan Rice was the United States ambassador. I am God's ambassador here, created in His image, filled with His Word, making an appeal that we would be reconciled to God. 
Jesus went and found Philip and said, follow me. And the Lord of glory has found you today. And he has one message. It's the same message that has always been. You're headed the wrong way. And you're powerless to do anything about it. But I have shown up. And if you follow me, I will help you do it. Amen. You have a choice whether you go your own way. Or whether you'll follow him. But what you do not have a choice with since you're seated here. Is to not be faced with Jesus. Because his presence was in our worship. His presence is in me. His presence is sitting in many of the people seated around you. And he is confronting you today. With a loving message. That says I made you to bear my image. I made you to hold your head high. I want you to be proud of my presence. And I want to be proud of you bearing my image. It's the voice of the spirit today. He did not come to give you bitter waters. You did that. He came to give you a better, more lasting, fulfilling purpose in life that would advance his kingdom and take back this planet from radical rebellious forces. We didn't just multiply the image of God. We were actually supposed to be on his team subduing the enemy. And instead, like Benedict Arnold, like a traitorous backslider, we turned and worked against the living God. We multiplied the wrong image. We spread darkness instead of light. If you can't come to grips with that, you cannot come to Jesus. This modern altar call that says, if you want help in this life, in heaven in the next, just come to the altar, is a disastrous life from hell. Jesus did not just come to be a self-help person for you. To help you get off the street. To help you get the promotion you want. To help you. He is not your genie. <coughs> He's not Santa Claus. He's the God of the universe who demands unparalleled, uncompromised obedience. Amen. And obedience brings nothing but his presence to be more obedient. It brings blessings. He found Philip, but I didn't turn here to read about Philip. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. They were looking for something, and it found them. <laughs> you cannot walk back to God. You don't have the ability. His spirit has to lead you. No man comes to the Father except through Jesus. And nobody comes to Jesus, John 6, says, unless the spirit of the Father draws him. There's one question in our lives today confronted with Jesus. Can we follow him? The answer is a big, fat, resounding no. Uh, it's not what you expect to hear from a preacher. You are not able to follow him unless he helps you do it. If you give him your everything, he will meet you in that desire. And in your obedience with every step, he will give you more anointing. Before that obedience, something has to happen, though. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come see, said Philip. I love the in-your-face nature of the Jews. <laughs> hey, man, let's go grab a burger. A burger? Is that any good? Well, why don't you come and see? I mean, they're just so blunt. I wish we had more people like this in the world. I hate asking somebody a question and, you know, their mouth says one thing and their body and everything about them says something else, you know. Hey, do you like it? Yeah, yeah. Yes. You coward. You're full of deception and everything that's false. At least Nathaniel said what he thought. He heard the word Nazareth and what did he say? Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? There's something to be said for being frank. For being honest. For simply saying the position that you have and recognizing it. Our God hates duplicity and I hate it too. Say that we follow Jesus and live like hell. 
Why don't you just say it? I love hell enough to make my life there. So what happens? Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. Does that mean that there was something admirable? <laughs> Not really. There's just nothing false. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I want you to understand. God does not want your flattery. He doesn't want you to tell him how wonderful he is while you live like hell. He'd rather you be honest with him about how you feel about everything because he knows anyway. You deceive yourself with your own words. I love the Lord, you know? No, I don't know. What do your actions say? Oh, I, I love Jesus. I follow him. Then why does your life look more like hell than heaven? Why is your water so bitter? Everybody in America thinks they follow Jesus. I mean, very few who actually did. So, well, that's judgmental. No, I can find an orange tree, a lemon tree. I know what a banana looks like. That's not judgmental. It's not hard to recognize what is heavenly and what is earthly. And we're a mixture of it. The question is, which nature is in charge? And that's not why I got here. How do you know me, Nathaniel asked. How does the Lord know you? Jesus answered, I saw you while you were sitting under the fig tree before Philip called you. There's a whole message here about the spirit of religion. But we're not going to preach that one today. I'm just going to tell you that John could have included anything, and he's the only one that included this story. He said, why did he include it? I think, I think he wanted you to know that the Lord has had his eye on you a long time before you ever had your eyes turned towards him. Yeah. Yeah. He's watching you. He's looking. Will you be honest about where you are? Will you tell the truth about your position in eternity? Or will you simply lie and give it some window dressing and make yourself feel better? He's got his eye on you. Because if there's nothing false in you, if you're willing to be honest about where you are, he's more than willing to change your station. He's willing. Amen. How do we know he's willing? Look what he does. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under a fig tree? You will see greater things than that. Then he added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open. You shall see heaven open. How are you going to see heaven open? What do you mean see heaven open? If we're going to see heaven open, what was it before? Oh, Jesus. You mean we're estranged from the presence of God? The thing that was made to look like him was cast outside of his presence and an angel placed between you and him so that you could not come back to him unless he made a way. This is the state of mankind. Heaven was closed. And Jesus says, you shall see heaven open. And the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. I have a last scripture for you. The angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Led Zeppelin sang a song that had nothing to do with this, really. Stairway to Heaven. Good song. <laughs> Most music stores ban it because everybody who goes to pick up a guitar and it's filled with the spirit of the world plays it. So there's usually big signs that have no stairway to heaven. Which is pretty well what was hung around that angel's neck standing outside the Garden of Eden. You are estranged from God. You who look like Him, every day when you look in the mirror you should see that you are called to be more than you are and you are completely, utterly powerless to get back there. Man, that'll uh, make you feel desperate. 
I think maybe, well, there was a preacher named Sunday, and it was about as lollipopish as a Sunday. Maybe we made this too cheap. Maybe we've given you the false impression that you could come to the Lord whenever you chose to. Like he was your little errand boy. Or your genie. That he would do for you whatever you asked, whenever you asked. Like you would say jump and God would say how high. I don't think it works that way, friends. How many invitations to the White House would you pass up? Well, that was a question. How many invitations to the White House would you pass up? How many royal dignitaries would you leave waiting in their palaces when they had invited you to it? How many? Would you feel perfectly fine to sit in the presence of God and tell Him no? Oh, that doesn't feel smart. You ever seen a couple men get together and one is boastful? Then we used to call it a battleship mouth and a rowboat stature. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about, don't you? And this thought enters your mind. He doesn't know who he's speaking to. Do you really think we can treat the living God with contempt and walk away? No. Let me ask you something. Can you walk up to a drug dealer and treat him with contempt and walk away? Can you walk up to a police officer and treat him with contempt and walk away? Can you walk up to a judge and spit in his face and walk away? But you think the judge of all mankind is just going to let you walk away if you waste this life? He will be right in burning you. He will be right in burning you. But he never desired to do that. Never. Amen. He was not willing that any would perish. Are you in Genesis 28? What a strange place to find the gospel. Not really. Oh, I know. We have long services. Get over it. You watch a movie and have no problem with that. Do you need me to bring you popcorn? I think that the people of God cannot be more devoted to the things of God than they are entertainment and the gratification of flesh, then there's no hope for the world. But God was raising up a remnant that I'm calling lap dogs. They're men of the DCD order who don't care anything for the things of this world. What they want is the presence of God at all cost. Amen. And when you want the presence of God at all cost, everything else begins to fade in comparison. And you stop worrying so much about who you tick off. Amen. And start worrying more about who you've pleased. I'm going to please Jesus even if I make all of my brothers mad. They can throw me in a hole, but they cannot keep me from rising to rule the planet with my God because that is my destiny. Amen. You in Genesis 28? We are to bring this home. Starting in the 10th verse. Jacob left Beersheba. And he set out for Haran. All the great stories in the Bible involve leaving one place and heading to another. This is a message for you over and over and over. And the message is you cannot stay where you're at doing what you've always done because you will get exactly what you've always gotten, more bitter water. If there's not a change, if there's not a change of direction, a, a, a cry for absolute heavenly mercy, then you will convict God and absolve yourself and stay right in your sin and you will face the Creator and receive what is due you, whether good or bad, in this body. Friends, that is not something that I want. If I got the things that I deserved, I wouldn't be here today. It could have put me to the... My mom didn't make it this morning. I kept her out too late last night. By the time I was six, you could have drug me to the city courts and uh, stoned me. I didn't have any problem doing whatever I wanted to do. Apparently, rebellion was bound up in my heart and no amount of window dressing would cover it. I was so very different from you. When you reached a certain place, <laughs> a certain place, maybe that's what we should have named the church. A certain place. Why are you here? Why are you here? What a great question. Did you come to make yourself feel better? Because we're not the kind of church that does that. You can find them everywhere. I hear they fill basketball stadiums with people that just want to go feel better about themselves. 
I want to be useful to my king. I set out on a journey. I'm completely unable to arrive at my journey's end. But I did arrive at a certain place. See, along the way, something unexpected happened to me. When I was not really looking for God, He found me at a certain place in my life. When he had reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Has the sun set in your life, friends? Do you feel like your best days are behind you? Is it time to stop because you're surrounded by night? You know, this is a desperate thing if you're in a foreign land. Where you make camp for the night is a difficult prospect. Been in places where if we slept in the wrong place, we might not wake up the next morning. darkness surrounded him. The sun had set that he reached that certain place. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and he lay down to sleep. There's absolutely nothing that you can do. Nothing. That will make heaven born in your heart. This man is asleep in the certain place and he's about to have a divine visitation. Why asleep? Because it never depended upon your abilities. You can try every self-help program, every 12, 14, 120 step. It makes no difference. If you don't reach the certain place in a journey that is based on change, where the earth and the heavens reunite in a divine union, you do not have a shot. And you can't make it happen. You know who makes it happen? He does. How many times will he call for you if you say no? There might not be another call. See, the lie of the American gospel is that you come to Jesus when you choose. Do you breathe when you choose? Well, yes, I can hold my breath. And a big, fat, resounding no. You have some choice in the matter, but you do not do it when you choose. Are you hearing me? <coughs> You do not just choose to be born again like a man chooses to eat a grape. His presence needs to be dealing with you to have brought you to a certain place. You need to realize that you're completely helpless. It's you that screwed up your life, not the preacher, not your parents, not anybody else. Oh, man, that sounds so harsh. It's what you mean. It's the story of 6,000 years of humanity. But you don't know my story. You're so very unique from every other human being that ever walked the planet. Really? I do know your story. It's just like mine. It was not so very long ago that I had to cry out for mercy from the living God because my life was a train wreck and I was driving the train. Oh, Jesus. How many get rescued if they really knew their position? He laid down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to the heavens. He began to dream about a way back into the presence of God. And the angels of God were what? You read it. Read it to me, saints. Don't fall asleep in my church. It belongs to the living God and his angels move in here. Wake up! Wake up, sinner! Let Christ's light shine on you! What did he see? The angels of God were what? What did Jesus tell Nathaniel that he would see? Heaven open and the angels ascending and descending on the Son of God. He's associating himself with somewhere. He's a, Jesus is associating himself with a very specific place, a place where a man lay down and put a rock under his head, was completely helpless, but found a blessing from the Lord. Amen. What was this place? There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am Yahweh, the God of your father Abraham, and, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. And you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. All the people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you 
and will watch over you wherever you go. He's the dust of the earth, but the breath of heaven is beginning to blow on him. And all of the people in every direction would be blessed by him. There's a place where the Lord can reveal himself to you. A place where every person you ever meet from this point forward will be blessed by you. Contact with you will be like a travel photo of the place that they ought to be. The place they long for and have numbed their senses to try to forget that they're not there. I will be with you and will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, oh, Jesus, awake from your sleep. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware. Oh, you thought you walked into a storefront church today. You saw a portly pastor in a pair of blue jeans, still stained from the Mexican Ocean. And you say, hey, it's just a church service. But I'm telling you, the presence of the Lord is in this place, whether you were aware of it or not. Jesus said to Nathaniel, in whom there was no duplicity, there was nothing false. I've had my eye on you a long time before you ever looked at me. He brought him like Jacob to a certain place. He said, you'll believe because you will see the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. The angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? Oh, if something's not rising in your heart at the moment. If something is not beginning to be impressed upon you of the importance of the very next few minutes in your life. <coughs> How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the very gate of heaven. Jesus said to Nathaniel, You believe because you saw, I saw you sitting under a fig tree. You will see heaven opened and angels ascend and descend on the Son of Man. He was calling himself something. This was a very Jewish way of calling himself something. The place that happened was called Bethel. It means the house of God. Jesus is saying you believe because I've had my eye on you. And let me tell you, you're going to come to realize that I'm the house of God. I'm the gateway to heaven. I'm the hole punched in the sky that allows you back into the presence of God. But it only comes by obedience to me. And any of you punch a hole in the sky and walk into the heavens? Of course you can't. Can any of you force God to meet with you? Of course you can't. So He came to you. And He makes an offer. come to the place where you're willing to lay your life down because your son is set and you can't continue life the way that you've been doing it and the living God says rest your head on the rock of my word and I'm about to give you a heavenly revelation Amen. I'm about to show you the way the porthole into the heavens Friends, a doorway is not just to walk one way. It's not just that we enter heaven, it's that heaven enters us. Amen. It's that that nashima, that breath of God, re-enters us. It restores the image. Puts His divine nature inside of you. So that what you could not do on your own, He's suddenly inside of you, helping. This is the hope of the gospel. Jesus did not die to make sinners better men. He died to take dead men and make them live. If you don't know you're dead, if you can't be honest with yourself, then there is no place to start for you and there is no hope for you. 
But if you can be honest, if you can say my life has produced nothing but death. I've been a monstrous sinner while calling myself a good guy. Then heaven can open for you. You can find the very house of God and more than that, you can become the house of God. I'm more than a travel photo, friends. You were called to be more than a travel photo. You were supposed to be the living, walking, breathing presence of God. You didn't enter into a temple today. You are a temple. The question is, what are you a temple to? Self or Jesus? I'm going to tell you, there are a lot of ways to fill an altar. And that is not at all my goal. To fill an altar, I can tell you, if you just want something better, run to the front. Well, who doesn't want something better? I want to go to Disneyland. I don't want 200 people who want something better to run to the front of this church. I'm looking for those people that want change at all costs. Who can take responsibility for the wreck that they have made of God's gift and say, Lord, I need you to drive now. I give up. I've thrown it and I'm sorry and I'm wrong. I need those who have said, Lord, I've set out on the journey, but I guess I never reached a certain place because while I believe I'm headed towards heaven, heaven is not inside of me. I need those who want the Holy Spirit of God to empower them. We are not going to sit here and sing for an hour for you to work up the courage to do what you knew you had to do the moment we started preaching. We're going to worship the living God. You'll either be obedient immediately or not at all. Friends, the door doesn't stay open forever. The scripture actually says that he will close the door to the Gentiles. He will close it. Today is the day of salvation. And today is more than half over. We're going to open this altar. You need the presence of God in your life for a real change. Not something that makes you feel better or something to tell a sponsor. The kind that is a total, absolute surrender acknowledging that you are wrong. Then don't walk running down here. If you have tried to journey from one place to Bethel and along the way you are realizing I can see that there's a gate of heaven, but I've never had the substance of heaven enter my body. I've never been so filled with the Holy Ghost that he manifested like fruit on a tree, so much so that I could be called a Holy Ghost tree. Then stop lying to yourself. You don't have all there is. Stop lying to yourself. Stop wrapping theology around yourself and get filled with the Holy Ghost. Yeah. You don't get filled with the Holy Ghost, you will never make it. You have to be more than dust. have to be more than educated dust. You have to be more than cleaned up dust. You have to even be more than sanctified dust. You have to have God's breath in you. The altar is open. What's your problem? Of the Lord and 